You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 283, Lauren Hicks and the Practice of Discipleship. Our discipleship is something we develop over time, friends. Hey, friends, before we get the show started today, I want to tell you about one of my new favorite podcasts, and I want you to just go and check it out. The show is called The 10-Minute Bible Hour. It's hosted by Matt Whitman. And I'll tell you what, the reason I love this show, if you feel like you need to cram an hour's worth of Bible study into 10 minutes because your life is just so busy, this is the podcast for you. 10-Minute Bible Hour is a lot of fun. Matt is an engaging teacher, and he just goes through scripture. So the ones that I listened to recently, uh, he was going through the book of Matthew, went over it, and it was funny, and it was fun to listen to, and it was just like this little dose of Bible right in the middle of my day. It tries to be around 10 minutes, but it's not always. Friends, you can go to the TMBH for the 10 minute Bible hour.com, the TMBH.com to get the show. And there you can find links to their YouTube channel or to find it in your favorite podcast app. Hey, let's get this show started. Welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. And I am, as always, just jazzed that you are here. I'm so glad that you've downloaded this episode. I'll tell you what I have been thinking today a lot about uh, when I, the days that I get to spend just listening to people's stories. I don't know if you feel this way, but I do. I really think it's a holy moment to just hear the Word of God. Um, just shared through the lens of experience. Wow, that is great. It's why we do what we do. So if you enjoy it, uh, please go ahead, leave us a review somewhere. Apple uh, would be awesome. Or uh, just send a, send a little text to a friend. You can do that easily in Spotify and Overcast and some of those other places. It would mean a lot to me. I'd appreciate that. Guys, today we have uh, somebody I wanted to talk to because I listened to his podcast a little bit and we featured him in podcast magazine for a review uh, last month, I think. And uh, I just love what he's doing. I want to hear more. So our guest, he's a pastor and the podcaster behind the Five Minute Discipleship Podcast. He's been in ministry for over two decades. I can't wait to hear more about his story and where uh, God's done his life. Our guest is Lauren Hicks. Lauren, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you, Eric. It's such an honor to be here today and really appreciate the opportunity to be with you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for doing it. And um, like I said, I'm really excited to hear more about your story. Obviously, there's more to you than just uh, being a pastor and a podcaster. So fill in those <laughs> gaps for us. Give us a little more about who you are and where God has you right now. Yeah, absolutely. I have been a Christ follower for a long time. I came to Jesus uh, as a little boy, and um, that is uh, obviously a journey like it is for for many, many people. Um, but I'm so thankful for the work of God in my life and how God has directed my steps. I'm um, a husband and my wonderful wife, Linda, for 28 years, and we have three daughters. Uh, one is um, an adult, 26 years old, lives in San Francisco. And then uh, our second daughter is uh, just started a freshman year at Vanguard University in Costa Mesa, California. And then our third daughter, Taylor, she is a senior in high school. So uh, we're moving closer to that empty nest uh, time of life. So it's really, really interesting. Um, but I serve as a local pastor here in Santa Maria, California. We're on the central coast. 
uh, of California and one of the best places to live, I think, um, in the country, an amazing climate here on the Central Coast. But I, I serve a church called Pacific Christian Center and have been here for two and a half years. Became the pastor here right before COVID. Actually, I was oh. here six months and then COVID hit. So that was my, fun. In, my introduction. But spent many years as a pastor in Los Angeles and have had a wonderful uh, journey of, of ministry. Wow. Well, I can only imagine what that's like. We hired a pastor during COVID and I can't imagine. Okay. Like I always said, <laughs> yeah. dude, I can't, I can't imagine what that would have been like, but I a lot of respect for that. So that's, uh, that's good. Definitely a bit to go through. Well, okay. So let's go back into some of your story and just kind of, we can lead up to, to how you got here and, and what God's sure. been doing. So um, did you, you say you're in California now, did you grow up in California? Yes. No, I grew up in Texas. Um, my right. wife and I are from the Dallas Fort Worth area. So we are uh, Texans and uh, Dallas Cowboy fans, and um, oh, no. that Cowboys—they—they uh, uh, they never fail us, right? They're consistent for the past thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> we were disappointed once again. No, but Texas is our our home. But we we've been in California for for twenty years, um, and uh, moved here uh, to do university campus ministry, and uh, spent some years wow. at UC Santa Barbara, and then my wife and I planted a ministry at UCLA with students. Uh, on campus. And um, so wonderful, wonderful years there. But yeah, our roots go back uh, to Texas. And um, uh, my family came to Jesus when I was a, a little boy. Yeah. Wow. So you're going the other way. Most people are leaving California. They're I going know. To Texas I now. Know. Yeah. Or Colorado, where I am. We keep getting <laughs> that's like, oh, right. stop. That's <laughs> very true. It's too expensive now. Uh, <laughs> but it, yeah, that's that's going on all over the country. Very fascinating. But uh, so that's good. All right. Going going out to California to, to do ministry. So growing up in Texas, I mean, I, I don't know if Texas counts as Bible Belt, but I always think of it as Bible I so. Belt. So I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Is uh, w- was a Christian family. What was that? What was that like? Yeah, uh, quite an interesting story how my family came to faith in Christ. Um, my uh, my dad's parents, my grandparents, um, uh, were believers, followers of Jesus, and were raising my dad, his two brothers, um, in the church um, when they were, were young. But something happened uh, around the time my uh, dad was about 11 years old. My, my parents became, or my grandparents became offended. There was some offense in the church. And uh, I don't know to this day exactly what what caused it, but it it caused them to really turn away from the church and to turn away from the Lord, and just kind of walked away from all uh, of that. And um, so, you know, from that point on, uh, there was no church involvement uh, in their lives at all. But my dad had a twin brother, and when uh, in his late teenage years, my dad's twin brother became a, a follower of Jesus, and it began to have an impact on the family. And I, I remember my dad saying. Uh, that his brother would be in the bedroom praying for his family to come to Christ and how just it would just bring, kind of bring conviction over the whole family. Wow. <laughs> and they're praying for them to, re- to return back, you know, to their faith um, in Jesus. Uh, but, you know, during the, uh, during the seventies, um, my parents lived kind of a typical hippie life lifestyle, party lifestyle. I remember, um, you know, uh, in the seventies when, uh, you know, I was, I was a child, my parents uh, going out on the weekends, partying, doing their thing. And usually I would stay, we would stay with our grandparents or, or my aunt, but my dad's brother continued to follow Christ and, and really had a passion for the rest of his family to come back to the Lord. And it was always sharing Christ with him, always witnessing to them. And my dad really didn't want to hear anything about it. But when, when my dad was 27 years old, he was working in a warehouse in Dallas, Texas, and one day um, someone came to him and said, uh, Ron, there's a, a phone call for you in the office. 
which was strange to him. No one ever really called him at work. And so he went to the office and his dad, my grandfather, was on the phone. And uh, in a trembling voice, he said to him, he said, Ron, your, your brother has been killed today in a tragic accident on the job. And it was a, working on a, on a construction site and it was a horrific uh, accident. And to make things worse, that, that particular day happened to be my grandfather's birthday. And it was a day that really changed um, our, our family's life. We, you know, the Lord works in so many mysterious ways. That's a common statement, but it's absolutely true that, that God has unique ways in, in working. Mm-hmm. Um, at, a, at a church service, a few weeks earlier, uh, my brother had been, my, my dad's brother had been praying at that service and someone heard him say, God, I want you to save my family, whatever it takes, whatever the cost, save my family. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, you know, how the Lord works, if that was God's plan for him to die that particular day. But, but I do know that God used that event to cause my parents to, to come to Christ. And the night of his funeral, uh, my dad uh, would tell the story of kneeling at the sofa you know, that night in our, wow. our living room and uh, surrendering his life to Jesus Christ. And my mom did not really grow up in a Christian home and was really unsure what all was happening in my dad's life at the time. And, um, you know, people would say to her, you know, he's just grieving, give him, give him time. But eventually my mom came to Christ and uh, it was through their influence that um, my, my siblings and I, we came to Jesus as well. Isn't that weird? So like you say, God uses the amazing things. Like for him, not even death is off the table, right? right. Like not, nothing's right. off the table. He'll just use right. anything. Like, yeah. Yeah. So hard for us to, to wrestle with that. Right. You know, as to why, why couldn't God do it in a different way? You know, why, why did it have to be that way? Um, but uh, he knew the Lord. He had the promise of eternal life, of course. Yeah. Uh, and God, uh, without a doubt, used that event to transform our family. Oh, man, that's amazing. Okay. So as a kid, how old were you? I was about six years old when that six happened. Six years old. Okay. And then did yeah. you give your life to Christ too at that time? Yeah. Around around that time, uh, I remember um, coming to my parents and saying to them that uh, I wanted to trust Jesus as my Savior and remember my parents praying with me. It wasn't something that they were you know, forcing us to do or saying, you guys need to do this. I, I remember just God working in my life. It's amazing how God can do that, um, yeah. even, even in a child. Yeah, right. Well, Jesus has that saying right let the let the little children come unto me he That's right. he happens to have great affection for them i think so what uh so obviously but as a kid you don't understand everything right so your faith sure. kind of has to take some you grow into it i guess maybe yes. at, at right. a certain point so what, what were those steps for you and do you remember any like significant moments as you were kind of wrestling with your own faith and and making it your own yeah, you know, our family jumped into church um, uh, as as hard as um, my my parents were kind of living for the party lifestyle in the world. They were all in uh, in church, and uh, so we kind of grew up with the, as a family. When the door was open, we were going to be there type of family. So, so the church, our life really was centered ar- around um, the church. But I remember a key moment when I was nine years old. Um, I, our, our tradition, we grew up, um, in the assemblies of God. I'm still a pastor with the assemblies of God today. And so a Pentecostal, uh, background. And, um, it was, a I remember an altar call where the church just came forward for prayer at the end of a message. I don't remember what the message was about, but I remember kneeling there and, uh, just feeling God's presence in my life and feeling that God had a, a, a call on my life. I didn't know what it was necessarily, but it was definitely a moment where God was making himself real to me. Uh, and showing himself to me. I didn't hear an audible voice, but really just that uh, that impression 
uh, that uh, God was real and that he had something for me to do in my life. So when I was 15, I had another encounter with the Lord uh, similar to that and began actually preaching at age 15, wherever I get an opportunity to do in a youth service or uh, you know, um, even a nursing home service or wherever I'd had the opportunity to speak. So it's kind of became a part of my journey. But yeah, I saw the hand of the Lord uh, throughout my childhood and it became very real to me. That's, I always find that fascinating. Um, people who are like you, who are like, feel like they're called to preach, right? Like early, yeah. early on, like that was kind of your, yeah. your, your ministry. And so you found those opportunities. Was there somebody who saw that and encouraged it and fanned it into flame? Yeah, definitely. My, my father, my dad was a lay minister early in those years and then later became a a senior pastor. Um, in fact, he's still pastoring uh, today in Texas ah. in his 70s, still pastoring a church, been at his church for over, over 20 years, but definitely had a lot of encouragement at, at home. Um, the pastor of our church that we grew up in um, pastored that church for 42 years. It was a very faithful uh, pastor, and, and um, there were a lot of people that were raised up under his ministry um, to, to go into ministry. A lot of uh, pastors and preachers and even missionaries around the world came out of that church. And it was not a large church, but really was a place where uh, people were nurtured for ministry. So mm. I'm, I'm grateful for that encouragement. Lauren, I don't think you could give a pastor a higher compliment than that. Do you? Like, No, I, no yeah. I, I think that's really what um, God has called us to do is to see those giftings and callings in other people's lives and help them to, to develop that. I, I, I really believe that God has given gifts to all of us and they're, they're, they're unique and they're diverse. That's what makes the body of Christ wonderful. And if we can help pull that out of somebody else, help them see that, what a blessing. Right. I mean, that's the job, right? That's, that's the job. It's not, you know, I, I would even say I, there's value in preaching, but it's not yeah. giving us a 45 minute sermon every, every, you know, seven days, man, find, find what your people are good at, find yeah. their unique giftings and send them on their way to do it. Like that's, so powerful. The body of Christ definitely needs it. So obviously you're a discipleship guy. So I think we, we maybe agree on, <laughs> on some of that. Um, right. Okay. So, so your dad sounds like fans in the flame for you. And so where'd you go then? What, how, where'd that take you to take you to Bible college or something? Yeah, or? Def- definitely. Too many, too many Bible college, you know, in my late teenage years, I struggled a bit with, with that calling. Um, you know, I wanted to make sure this was something God was wanting me to do. And I didn't have that kind of Christian peer pressure. I grew up in a pastor's family. And so I, you know, I need to follow in my, my dad's footsteps, that, that type of thing. I wanted to make sure I was doing it for the right um, reasons. And um, especially I remember my senior year really struggling and um, my dad coming to me at one point and saying, you know, it would be my encouragement for you to go to Bible college. And, and even if you just went for one semester, we'll help, fund that. We can't pay for the whole thing, but it will help fund that. And at least it will give you time to pray and to explore your calling. And if you don't sense this is what God has for you, no pressure, right? He, he didn't put that mm-hmm. pressure on me, thankfully. And um, said, you can come back and do something else, right? But once I got to school, I knew that um, it was where the Lord had me and I was in the right place. Yeah. That's amazing. So God, it sounds like God used that to affirm the calling that he'd given you earlier. That's right. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so there's, there's a lot uh, there that we could probably go into. Tell tell me more about kind of as you were developing that sense of your calling and kind of your ministry skills, were there times when you felt like God was directing you or kind of showing you where to, where to go? What was that like? 
Yeah, I, I've always had a real passion for missions. And uh, even when I was nine years old, I think um, it, it was that particular service was a mission service where God really began to speak to my heart. And and through those Bible college years, uh, my my heart and my focus was really on world evangelism and and missions. I, I never thought a whole lot about being a pastor. I didn't know this was going to be the path that God would would take my life. And uh, my wife and I got married between our third and fourth year of Bible college. We met there, and and she had a heart for ministry and a heart for missions as well. But when we graduated, it just kind of dawned on me one day. I said, you know, maybe you know, if I'm going to go plant churches and train pastors, maybe I ought to be a pastor first, right? You know, that kind of just dawned on me one day, and so <laughs> that that led me into uh, to being. Um, uh, a youth pastor, uh, was, which is a common start for a lot of young people in the ministry and one, one or four years, and was a youth pastor up in Columbia, Missouri, uh, at uh, First Assembly of God Church there, and had, had a wonderful uh, time there. And um, in the Assemblies of God in those years, to be a missionary, the requirements were a bit strict, and today they've kind of changed the whole model for how they do things. Um, but the Foreign Missions Board at that time required you not only to be a credential minister, to have um, theological training, but also to uh, have been a senior pastor of a, of a church for, for two years. And so we uh, spent a couple of years as youth pastors and then moved back to Texas and became pastors of a small church. I was a senior pastor there in West Texas. And then we applied to be missionaries. And we had our local district's endorsement to do so and went through the process, filled out all the uh, applications, took the psychological exams, had our references. We really had checked the boxes for all the things uh, that were the listed criteria. And then we were waiting, just waiting on God for that opportunity to, to be missionaries. And I'll never forget the day when the letter came in the mail and said, you know, Division of Foreign Missions, uh, Lauren and Linda Hicks on there. And we were sitting in the car and we were so excited. Here's the envelope and we tore it open. And the letter said, uh, Dear Lauren and Linda, thank you for your application, but we are sorry to inform you that we will not consider you as missionaries at this time. Wow. I, don't remember, I don't remember what the rest of the letter said, but <laughs> That's I just all you know read it probably, was yeah. declined. We were, de we were declined and we were crushed. And, and to be honest, Eric, we sat in the car and cried together because we had such a long journey together to get to this moment where we were, we were willing to do what maybe many others are not willing to do. We were willing to pick up and to go overseas and to take the message to those who have not yet had an opportunity to to hear about Jesus. And it's those moments when God says no. I, I recently preached a message at our church uh, with that title, When God Says No, and, and ex ex exploring those times when we don't get the answer from God when we that we want to hear, and, and trusting His sovereignty, and trusting that the Lord has a plan and a purpose for our life. And if God says no to you, he has a good reason to say no, and, and it doesn't mean that God's finished with you. And the Lord, uh, it's a long story, but the Lord directed our lives uh, to continue into pastoral ministry. Missions has always been a part of our, 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 our ministry. We've taken missions teams all over the world. Uh, we've challenged our churches to, to engage in missions with their heart, with their prayers, with their financial mm -hmm. giving. And, and um, that's been God's path for me. And I know we've, we've had a global impact from our churches by challenging our people uh, to engage in in world missions and so um, we've been a part of missions but it was not exactly as we thought that it was going to be yeah so i'm i'm just imagining that moment right because obviously it's it's heartbreaking this yes. is some some place that the two of you were committed together i mean that's like you've made a plan right and that's you're right. like 
that's the hardest thing to go, oh, okay, what, what do I do now? So what was that like looking back at it now, what do you see God was doing in that, in that moment? Yeah. The moment was devastating for us. Um, we were, we were sitting there thinking what next, you know, and, and just really wrestling with the confusion of it all. Why would God lead us up to this moment to, and then to say no to us? Uh, I, I, I dealt with some anger, you know, during that time, some really intense frustration. I made phone calls to the foreign missions committee and I, I was told, Lauren, your anger is not helping you. It's not going to change. It's not going to change our mind. Um, and um, the door was not shut uh, completely. They, they didn't say, you know, unequivocally, no, you'll never be a missionary. Uh, but they didn't sense that the timing was was right for us. And so for Linda and I, we went back to uh, seeking the Lord and just being trying to be faithful with, with where God planted us. And it became clear to us over time. It wasn't a one moment, but just over time, mm -hmm. God's calling and direction on our life was more pastoral uh, than missions. And we, we learned to accept that call and begin to to thrive in, in that call. And I'm so grateful God's still given us opportunities to be a part of world evangelism and sending missionaries to the nations and having some opportunities to go, but we're really secure in, in his plan yeah. at this point for our life. Well, you highlight something there that I think is really, really good uh, that friends, I would just want to, I just want to point out to you because like Lauren in your life, that, you know, missions being such a part, a big part of probably occupying your thoughts, right? Everything that you did, you have to take all this work, do this work to get to, to where you can even apply. And then you right. do, do that. And then to have it all kind of swept away, but it didn't stop being part of who you were. That's right. right. There was something, right. it sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, the, missions is part of your life, like sharing the gospel around the world is part of yes. who you are, part of your heart. And that became part of your ministry, which perhaps has a greater impact if you're sending people and that's right. than even you may have had that's uh, right. where, wherever you were. So friends, even if God redirects you, even if you like heartbreak, right? Even if he does something like that, um, just know that sometimes God has to plant seeds, but they take a while to germinate, right? Mm. It takes a while That's to good. get there and just, just trust. Like even, even in those moments, I think that's the, the witness that you're, that you're giving us. And I think it's also throughout scripture. So it's, that's, we can, we can take that as well. Okay. So yeah. you, so you move on and you say like, okay, we're going to go into probably pastoral ministry. Is that when you moved out yes. to California or is that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we continue pastoral ministry and, um, we were attending a um, a conference at one point, and and it is a church leadership conference. And and at the conference, university campus ministry was was a, one of the things that was featured. And I'll I'll never forget there were a, a couple of testimonies that were there. Two Chinese international students that came forward and shared their story of how they came to the to the university and didn't know anything about the Lord, but uh, through a campus ministry. I learned about Jesus and, and put their faith in Christ. And I, I was riveted by those stories. And actually the concept to me of students coming from around the world to the university, to this one small location that could be reached for Christ and then sent around the world, that concept had never entered my mind as a, as a missions <laughs> possibility, but um, that, that stayed with me and I, and I couldn't shake it. And my wife and I began to pray and um and consider you know what would that look like what 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 if we transition out of local church ministry and became campus pastors 
and had the opportunity to, to impact the lives of students that were coming from around the world. So um, we made um, application with a, a wonderful ministry called Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship, which is about on about uh, three or four hundred campuses around around the country, um, and joined a team here. We're invited to join a team here in California uh, at the University of California at Santa Barbara. And so we, uh, at that time, um, you know, young married, uh, had a, a little girl, only had one child at the time. She was uh, about to enter kindergarten and uh, we didn't have anything to lose. So we packed up and <laughs> we went to California Yeah, and it was, uh, we ended up spending six years in doing campus ministry. It was a, just a tremendous time and a tremendous joy and had the opportunity to have, you know, discovery Bible studies with at a table with students from around the world, just wonderful, rich conversations and opportunities and to see Jesus touch and transform students' lives. And, and then um, uh, we moved to Los Angeles to plant a brand new ministry uh, on the UCLA campus. And uh, I walked on that campus not knowing any students. Uh, it was a complete um, plant of a brand new ministry, a pioneer uh, work uh, on, that, on that campus. Uh, but we're able to see God raise up a ministry, and today that ministry continues uh, with with different leadership. So uh, God gave us a little bit of taste of missions right here in the United States. As yeah. instead of us going to them, they came to us, and what a joy that was! Right, which I think is an interesting theme. Actually, I, mm-hmm. I feel like maybe that's something God's up to. You know, in the last uh, I don't know how, however many years, but yeah. decades, let's say. But He. Because it does seem like so more and more people are coming to the United States. Like, but yeah, uh, absolutely. Just, let's be let's be wise about that. Love that. Okay, what, so as you get into ministry, that can be a very interesting time for yourself spiritually, right? I know that yes. it kind of beca- changes a little bit, maybe if you're studying scripture to try to present things versus your own development. So, how what was that like for you? And and you know, how did you find that God would meet you or? maybe you have a moment or an experience you want to share. Yeah, I think um, it, it can be a challenge for anyone in ministry uh, to recognize that you have to have your own relationship with the Lord, right? Because we're, we're in the word, we're studying, we're preparing, we're always leading. Uh, sometimes as a pastor, you can feel um, like an event planner. We just move from one event to the next right. you know, event and uh, we learn to speak and to share. Uh, and you can find yourself very empty spiritually because you're giving giving and you're not being filled yourself and so you have to learn to be intentional uh, on that Um, there's a lot of conversation today among church leaders on the topic of burnout Um, there's lots of books and lots of podcasts that are talking and i believe that that it's very real um, because ministry can become consuming and exhausting if we're not really intentional about setting some boundaries and making sure that we are, are filled to our, so we teach people about how to, how to have a quiet time, but we got to make sure we do that for, for ourselves, whatever form that takes, whatever that practice that looks like, whatever it is that charges your spiritual batteries. Right. Um, it's so vital, you know, for us. Um, well, what is it for you? What's, that. what's the thing for you? That's like, you that's know, lately, where I like to go. Lately, um, God's really been teaching me about the practice of solitude and silence. Um, mm. And um, this COVID season has been, one of the most stressful seasons of ministry f- for me as a, as a pastor and leader. And I think many other leaders would, would echo those words. You know, when you face challenges uh, in ministry, either you have some personal experience that you can draw from, or you can find someone else who has some experience and, and learn from them. But when we entered uh, this season of COVID and restrictions and trying to figure out how to lead in this environment, no one had experience. 
with right. this, right? No one had done this before when we didn't know what the future was holding. Restrictions were constantly changing. And so it became a, a, a very challenging season. And so I would definitely say um, that uh, I have had increased uh, levels of stress and anxiety, you know, personally over uh, this past couple of years. And uh, so I think the Lord has been teaching me um, about the practice of silence and I, I really have not practiced a, a meditative a type of spirituality. Really, that's not been part of it, even though there are wonderful passages of Scripture, Psalm 1, uh, Joshua chapter 1, that talk about meditating on Scripture and being quiet before the Lord. And the Bible says that, you know, be still and, and hear God's voice and those types of things. But um, that just hasn't been really part of my practice. But but lately, uh, I even, this may sound strange, but even sometimes in the morning as I'm up early before my family, just reading some scripture and then setting a 20 minute timer on my phone and just, just being silent and not talking, not, not really praying out loud, not reading scripture, just kind of thinking and reflecting mm -hmm. and meditating on scripture. And, um, I, you know, I don't know your practice, but that, that has really helped bring some calmness to my to my spirit, to my, to my emotions and has can help me connect with the Lord and, uh, in kind of a fresh way. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, what I love about it is some of the, you know, as, um, what's the word I forget neuroscience as, as neuroscience gets more and more popular, they find the benefits of things like meditation mm -hmm. like that, or just, just quiet for the brain and just for, mm -hmm. for your body. Uh, which I love because Christian people and other religious people, but Christianity has a long tradition of meditation and, right. and, and silence and solitude. And there are ways that we can look back if we're willing to go outside of our Protestant, you know, sure. box um, to look back to, to the saints and even beyond uh, into, you know, the Psalms, like you said, and, and some uh, previous writers who, tell us how to do that. Right. Which is, which is really, really powerful. Okay. So that's a, that's a great practice. Um, I always like to ask about, and maybe this season has been part of it, but have you, did you ever have a time when you felt like God was far away or when you maybe did get burned out or maybe there was a season God just, you're like, what the, what are you doing? God, you know, those, those kinds of things or when you're kind of mad at him. Yeah. This, this season has really been, been challenging and has brought up some of those, um, questions. And um, it has helped me focus more on learning how to be with the Lord than just do for the Lord, which has been a challenge uh, for me in my in my walk with Christ. I, I grew up in a church um, tradition that was uh, very conservative and somewhat works, you know, oriented. I, I always kind of look back with a smile and say, we sang Amazing Grace, but we preached about works, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really struggled um, growing up feeling saved and, and trying to understand mm -hmm. what is God's grace really um, all about. And you know, I think I got saved every Sunday, you know, you know, raised my hand and <laughs> repented of my sins every, every week and trying to, to come back to that. And so I think uh, trying to understand the grace of God has been a theme um, in my, in my life. I, I had a moment, you know, when I go back to my Bible college years that I, I heard a statement that um, really was life-changing for me and has become, this statement has become a life sentence for me. And I actually have it on a on a nice plaque in, in my office. And I, I see it all the time, but I, I remember this moment so clearly I was 19 years old. I was in a, in an evening class 
uh, my freshman year. Uh, the class was old was missions from an Old Testament perspective. That was that was oh, the yeah. title of the class. I don't remember anything about the class, the book. I remember the I remember the professor, but I don't remember anything about the class. But that one night, um, he made this statement: "God is more concerned with who you are in Christ than what you do mm. for Christ. God is more concerned with who you are than what you do." And I wrote that. I remember writing it in my notebook, and that one sentence has become life changing for me. That that our doing for Christ, which I grew up with so much, you know, we need to do this, or we need to act this way, our behavior needs to be this way. If you don't do that, you're not saved. But all this doing, but the doing flows out of the being. And I've, I've spent the rest of my life trying to unwrap mm -hmm. that and what, what that means and what, what that looks like. And I, I'm very much a, a doer by nature. I'm a self-starter. I'm a more type one. I, I you know, I, Nobody has to get me out of bed in the morning and go to work. I always have a to-do list. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of that way. Um, but learning to be in Christ and who, who am I as a person in Christ and not finding my identity, even as a pastor, right? But just as a child of God and a, and a yeah. Christ follower. This yeah. season, you know, getting back to your question, you know, kind of have, have you had some hard times and you've had some moments where it seems like the Lord is, is distant. This season has been very confusing and when you're limited mm -hmm. in doing the things that you normally do that give you a sense of identity and purpose and those things are stripped away from you you're they were forcibly stripped away from from us in many regards or at least we had to pivot and change how we did things it kind of leaves you thinking man what what who am i and what am i supposed to be doing and so uh, in that regard um it has this season while challenging and difficult has caused me to focus more on my own relationship with christ and who I am in him and not so much the doing part of it. Yeah. Wow. And I've thought for a, since the beginning that COVID would be a moment of clarity for, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's maybe, maybe it's not ironic. What's the word? I don't know. It was appropriate that it came about in 2020, right? Like we all kind of, we all kind of felt like, okay, there's going to be a year of clarity, but I think taking away all the things that we can't, that we normally do and that we normally put our worth in and whether it's relationships or yes. activities or jobs uh, really was clear. I think that's what the great resignation is all about. People suddenly went, Oh, I don't want to waste so much time at that's doing right. this job that I don't like. I would like to be happier, well, uh, which is kind of amazing. So it sounds like you went, you went through some of that as well. Um, and I know, and so part of that became your podcast, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So tell us about why you started that. Yeah. You know, I've been a long, long time podcast listener. I would say for 10 years, for sure. I love, love podcasts. And uh, when, when I lived in Los Angeles, we lived in Los Angeles for 17 years. I spent a lot of time uh, in traffic in Los Angeles <laughs> on the four or five freeway. And so, um, you know, I kind of got away from talk radio and started listening to podcasts. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm an entrepreneurial thinker. I like business podcasts. I listen to sermon podcasts too. So, but, but I never had my own podcast. Didn't know anything about podcasting, but here we are um, in the, the middle of 2020. And um, I feel so limited in the ways that I would normally care for my congregation, the ways I could serve them. And um, God just dropped this idea in my heart, Lauren, what if you started a podcast? And so I began to think about what the format would be. Um, and I don't even know how, but somehow God dropped this idea of a daily podcast uh, in my heart. What would it look like if he, if he did something every day? Um, I've often um, 
look back at that decision, wondered how wise that was because it is every day. It's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Um, but, but God really dropped the idea of a small podcast, just five minutes every day. And I really wasn't thinking about any larger audience. I was just thinking about how I could serve my church. And so I, I, I came up with the idea of a five minute discipleship podcast where um, most days I would start with a short story or an illustration, lead into a scripture, and then make a point of challenge or application for us. And it would just be that it'd be something simple that people could listen to on their way to work or in the morning and that type of thing. And um, I found a, a niche with it. And I, I think um, I think the time being just five minutes is mm -hmm. um, enough for people. Um, I think if it was a longer format, it'd be harder for me to produce and and people might not have the time to listen to it, certainly not daily. But uh, the five minute time slot has been something that's connected with people. Um, but it's but it's been a joy. It's It's been fun. And I'm thankful for how God has used it. Well, I love that. I love what you're doing with it. And here's here's what I, I just hear that delights me. Um, the idea that you you had to ask the question, well, how do I serve my people? Right. Mm -hmm. And there was a technological answer, right? There was a yes. there was, okay, I could do something that's not um, you know, just publishing my sermons, which there's a place for that. Don't get me sure. wrong. And sure. it's it's great. I love it. But it, it's not personal, right? The thing, the beauty of radio, if you were a talk radio listener, I talk about this all the time. Uh, uh, people have strong feelings about Rush Limbaugh, but when his music came on, right, you mm -hmm. knew who he was. You knew right. you knew what was coming and you and it created a certain feeling because audio does that. Audio connects yes. to you. And so taking that and being creative with all the stuff that you've done over the years and, and been able to just wrap that into a, a small package you could give your to your congregation or and beyond no doubt yes. um every day is brilliant like i just i love the creativity in it i think that's that's really good and uh quite frankly i want to see more pastors do do more with podcasting yeah. than just publish their sermons that's great but you can do more with sure it. Yeah, no, it really gives us a unique opportunity. And uh, while I entered into this space, not knowing what I was doing, and thank God for YouTube, uh, yeah. you know, you can learn, you can learn a lot. And you know, you buy a microphone, it's not too expensive, and you learn some some technical skills. And so it wasn't that challenging. But I think it creates some unique opportunities for us to be creative in how we minister to people beyond just the, the sermon. So I, I would agree with you. I think there are some wonderful uh, opportunities. And I will say just um, as a thank you to you, you know, you were one of the people I found, I think just on Facebook uh, yeah. in, in, the, in the early days and, and the uh, Facebook group that you have. And that's, it was really a wonderful resource for me. So thank you for all the work you put into that. Well, you're so welcome. And obviously it's because I believe in it. Like I, I know what I love is that, you know, like, again, that reach for you is beyond just the people that you're serving in your, in your church, which is amazing. Lovely. Yes. But also we get downloads from around the world, right? Like that's, that's, right. that's astounding. That's, that's amazing. And it's really is discipleship. So I want to talk about why you named it like the five minute discipleship podcast and how did discipleship become kind of a passion for you? Yeah, I, I really wanted it to be something that helped people grow. And I, I think that's what discipleship really is when we, we, we bring it down to its basic element. Um, you know, the word disciple, it comes 
you know, from the idea of being a student, right, or a follower. Jesus had followers. They were his students. Uh, a rabbi, you know, in the New Testament times would always have students that, that followed. And I, I became concerned, you know, a few years back about discipleship, and I think even convicted by God in, in my own ministry for my lack of helping people journey and take clear steps for growing in their faith. We did all the stuff at church. We had great weekend services, great weekend experiences, preached sermons. You know, we had the traditional ministries in our church, youth ministries and those types of things. But, but personally, I had gotten away from that, those conversations and journeying with people. Like I said, you know, you become mm -hmm. kind of an event planner. Um, and so I began to pray uh, that God would bring some people into my life, make it clear uh, some people that I could journey with. And it, it's been the best thing for me, uh, Eric, I'm telling you my, the favorite, I love preaching, but my favorite thing to do is to have weekly conversations. And so I've got some guys now that they're on the standing schedule uh, that come. And um, sometimes we meet at my office or sometimes we meet at a local coffee shop. Uh, we'll go through books together, but those conversations are so rich and uh, i know those guys are growing but i'm growing from the conversation and right. it's not just so much you know i'm the master of spiritual let me teach you you know young follower <laughs> it's, it's not so much that but they are just real honest engaging conversations about what does it mean to be a christ follower and here's how we struggle and here's how i struggle and yeah um it's been a joy uh for me to have these conversations so i'm so thankful the lord has kind of turned my heart back um, to discipleship, which is really what the Great Commission is all about. Make disciples, make these followers. And what if we could be disciples who made other disciples? And so one of the one of the guys, young guys that I have discipled the past year, he now is meeting with someone else who he is go. discipling. So uh, that really um, is, is what it's all about. And so I know the podcast is one-sided. Uh, on my particular podcast, we're not having conversations like, like this one. Uh, because of the shorter uh, format of that. But it's my hope that the podcast can still be a discipling tool, one of the things God uses in their life to help them take steps of, of faith and to grow in their, their walk with Christ. Yeah. Man, I love that. So you reminded me of one of the one of the major milestone moments in my life. I mean, I, mean, I don't know if I thought of it that back then, but I don't, it had, if you've read much Dallas Willard, but he has a book yes. called Spirit of the Disciplines. Yes. Funny enough, it wasn't the book, actually. It was in the back. There's a, uh, which is great. It's an awesome book. But in the back, there's an appendix called Is Discipleship for Super Christians Only? Wow. And it was an article that was published in Christianity Today, and then he re reprinted it there. But that is the thing that I remember because he makes the point that there is no such thing as a second class mm. follower of Christ, right? There's, yes. there's only, if you're a follower of Christ, then you are a disciple. Like that's, that's it. Right. That's just, all, that's all there is. And so it doesn't like, you don't get to just choose whether or not you're mm -hmm. going to do these things, right? <laughs> you just, right? If you are, then you are. And if you're not, that's then right. you're not blew me away. Like it answered so many questions for me that, that I had, but, um, but it does sort of set that up for, okay, well, how do we do this then? How do we have these relationships and how do we, how do we keep going? Um, I love that. And I love that others are, are following along. That's, that's pretty cool. Well, uh, Lauren, I just really appreciate, uh, hearing some of your story. Like what, where else, where do you see this going and what are you, what are you planning for the, the rest of the year? 
Yeah, you know, um, I'm continuing with with the podcast. Believe it or not, um, I just passed 500 episodes. Which wow, is crazy! I can't I can't believe that. Uh, it's amazing if you just start something and do it every day. You know what happens. Um, so, you know, along the way, there have been some times where it's been challenging to keep going. And I thought, man, people don't know how much work <laughs> it takes to do this every day. It's true. And every day. But I really, um, uh, you know, at its core, I really love it. And um, I'm grateful for it. I'm not like you mentioned, you know, you get downloads from people around the world. I'll get emails from people around the world. So, yeah. You know, I found your podcast, which is that always keep, keeps you going. And so I, I don't have any intention of stopping, stopping now. And um, slowly over time, I've been building um, a community. I have a uh, Facebook group now, five minute discipleship Facebook group, got over 500 people in that community. And so that's a growing community a place where we can engage and, and interact in that way. And I, I have some, some dreams down the road of creating some discipleship materials and some discipleship mm-hmm. courses as, as well. And uh, I'm working on a book right now uh, called your first 100 days as a follower of Jesus. And just, oh, cool. a day, just a daily reading for 100 days is something that you could give a friend who just come to Christ and kind of help them get get started. And so, um, yeah, it's it's really um, a lot of fun. Man, I think it's so important to follow those little nudges that God gives you to, to do the thing because you never know where it's going to turn out to, yes. to be, right? So where it's going to go. Take that step. Okay, that's, that's awesome. Lauren, thanks for being here and sharing a little bit of your story people can find you the website is five it's number five minute discipleship.com yes and of course there's links at halfway there podcast.com as well so if you're doing the dishes right now and you don't want to remember it just go there you could you can find it and click on it lauren uh is there anything you want to leave us with well i just want to say thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today and to to share uh my story Everyone listening to this podcast has a story of God working in their life, whether they're a believer or not. I think God's present there doing something in, in, in their life. And every story matters. Every story is valuable. And uh, I would just encourage everyone to let God use your story, your testimony to impact someone else's life. Amen. Couldn't have said it better. Thanks for being here, Lauren. Thank you so much. 